coming up this time, why pork pies were a recipe for success. Oh, well in the European days, when Peter Taylor was uh, assistant, Peter was a great fan of pork farms. We decided to put pies on the coach. So I turned up with a box of pies, and the players liked the meat in the pies, but they didn't like the pastry. <laughs> Plus, the digital artist who's creating iconic images of Cluffy. The unfortunate thing about Cluffy and the Miracle Men is if they were doing what they did then, today, it would be recorded in incredible high resolution. Mm. And it isn't. You know, all the great feats they've done, it's usually only it amounts to a picture here, a picture there, and a grainy video somewhere else. It's yes. a, yes. a lot of people's memories. So. Half of it was I wanted to make kind of digital versions of those achievements that you could then put on a wall as high as the Empire State Building and it would still look sharp because they merited being on the big screen. What I want to say very briefly, because I've been told um, to keep it down to two minutes. Now, the guy who told me that must be a bloody idiot for a start. <laughs> I'm Marcus Alton from the tribute website brianclough.com and my first guest on today's Green Jumper is someone who became a close friend of Cluffy and was one of the few people besides the players who Brian allowed to travel on the team bus. He has lots of great memories of his times with Brian Clough, especially away from the spotlight. It's hello to Colin Shields. Hello Marcus, nice to speak to you again. And to you Colin, how are you? I'm not doing too badly, thank you. I know you've got lots of great memories, as I say, of um, of your friendship with Brian, and and one of them involves Roy Keane because you yeah, yeah. you travelled up to Liverpool with uh, Roy well, Keane. What happened, Marcus, is that uh, I used to meet my friend Michael Keeling, and uh, we used to drive Brian to the away games. Uh, on this particular occasion. Uh, we, we drove up to Brian's, Michael and myself, and uh, Brian said, there's a change of plan today. He says, I want you to do me a favour. He says, uh, so hang on a bit. Anyway, uh, Ron Fenton came up with one of the forest coaches and then presented Roy Keane. And uh, Ron said, oh, oh we, we're taking uh, Roy up to the team hotel at Living in Cheshire. So Brian must have gone by another means. So Roy sat in the car with Michael and myself, and I think Ron sat in the back with him as well. And off we went up to Lim. And uh, at one point, we managed to talk to Ron on his own. And Ron says to me, don't say anything to him, but he's playing today. Anyway, we, we got to the hotel and uh, met up with the team. And he was just a young young kid, you know, and... Uh, Quite an impressive player. I'd seen him. I'd seen him play in the reserves a few times, and I could see that he was a bit special. Anyway, he made his debut that day at Liverpool and did quite well. And uh, of course, he travelled back on the team coach. And Brian got in the car with us, and we took Brian back to Quarndon. And Brian says, "I want to thank you both very much. That was a brilliant job you did for me." And I have spoke to Roy about it since, in the guest room at Forest. Oh, yes. As a matter of fact, I, I, I took the landlord of my local pool, who's a close friend of mine, 
I took him to the the game at Forest and, and got him an invitation into the guest room. And Roy happened to be there that day as a manager. You know, time had gone on, and uh, my landlord friend had got a, 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 an injury similar to what Roy had. had. And I says to Roy, would you mind having a word with my friend and telling him how, you might get through, how we might get through this injury? And they had a good long chat, 20 minutes or so, and Roy was telling him, you know, how to combat the um, injury and everything, and my friend was over the moon. I bet he was. That was good. Uh, Am I right in thinking that on that day he made his debut, some milk was involved, he had to drink some milk? remember it. He, <laughs> he, he filled him up with milk because it has got energy. Brian was, Brian was very old-fashioned. <laughs> Believe it or not, in some of his methods, he was very old-fashioned. Very, very strict. And uh, on occasions, we'd get near the sea. And he'd have all of them paddling in the sea in case they got injuries and slight knocks and everything. And seawater did you good. So <laughs> in the wind, whether it was cold or whatever, I know... Up in the northeast, it's very cold, and we'd stay up there. And he'd have them paddling in the sea at 10 o'clock in the morning. Well, of course, Roy Keane developed into a, a fantastic talent. It must have been a, a privilege to, to witness that at close quarters for you. Superb. Superb. From a gangly kid, very shy, you couldn't imagine it, that, uh, because in later years he was very affirmative, wasn't he? Very, he was very strong-willed, I should say. Yes, yes. Uh, and, I, I mean, listening to his interviews and everything, he didn't pull any punches, did he? But as no. a kid, he was, well, obviously, he was a kid. And, yeah. and, a, and an excellent footballer. Yeah. And as a young lad, I think you helped Brian to keep an eye on him. Uh, yes, I, I did, in a way. Uh, I worked in a food factory in Nottingham, and uh, the personnel manager was a good friend of mine, Tracy. And uh, in some conversation I had with her, she said that uh, Roy Keane and Ian Bowyer's son was lodging with her. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. So in conversation, I told, I, I mentioned that to Brian. He says, brilliant. He says, that, that could be useful to us. He says, invite her to a game and look after her, get her a meal and best seats and everything else. Um... So I did. I invited Tracy and looked after her at the match. And at some point in the guest room, the unheard of happened because no player who was on the books playing was ever allowed into the guest room. But on this occasion, Roy Keane was sent in and he spotted Tracy. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, what are you doing here? She says, I'm with my friend Colin. And he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I looked at him, and I, I think you've got the message, Roy. <laughs> Brian said, "Just tell Tracy if there's any trouble with him, let me know." But of course, there wasn't. But Roy knew that you know he got his uh, oh, his yeah, number. He knew that he got an insight into what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, but now, she said he was. She said he was a gentleman. Now you were allowed onto the team bus. Not many others, um, well, besides the players, were allowed to do that. That must have been a huge privilege for you. Oh, unbelievable! Unbelievable! I used to do all sorts of things. I just fetched newspapers from the from the news agents in Bridgeford. Newspapers and chocolates. Load them in the car and take them up to the A38. 
they drive into the car park and the hotel at the junction on the 838. And I'd have all the papers and chocolates ready. We'd load them onto the coach. That was one job. Other jobs, I'd be navigating with the the coach drivers, showing them where, not Albert, the, the latter one, uh, Tony. Yes. Uh, it, it was a bit of a rookie, and I, I, I used to give him words of wisdom and all this sort of stuff. Yes. Didn't you um, supply some pork pies for them? days when Peter Taylor was uh, assistant Peter was a great fan of pork farms we, we decided to put pies on the coach so I turned up with a box of pies and the players liked the meat in the pies but they didn't like the pastry <laughs> <laughs> so Albert, Albert says to me Colin Persuade the boss not to let him have any more pies. I says, why is that? He says, well, when I'm cleaning the coach out at the weekend, he says, this, this poor pie paste is everywhere, shoved outside at seats and everywhere, he says. <laughs> he says, I can't cope with it. So I, t- I told Brian. Yeah. And Brian gave him all the rousting, obviously. But uh, I'm afraid um, the pork pie business... Well, it lasted quite a while, right through the campaign. And Peter always said that the pork pies helped them to get on well in the European campaign. Good, nutritious food. Ah. <laughs> oh, ah. Peter, I say Peter was a big fan of uh, yeah, pork yeah. farms. Well, wasn't there a time when you were on the coach and um, he made Albert drive near to the airport? Well, coming back from, uh, I think it was a Aston Villa game. It wasn't a long drive, and uh, we got down near the uh, junction where you turn off up the airport. Brian says, Albert, are we near the airport? Yes, boss. Take us up there, he said. We're going on holiday soon. Let's go and have a look and see if everything's all right up there. <laughs> well, Des Walker was champing at the bit because he was wanting to get out. He, was, he wanted to go somewhere. And Brian knew this. And Brian says... We'll just wind him up a bit, Albert. So uh, off we drove up to the airport. We drove round the car park a couple of times and we're shouting, we'll soon, we're coming to Calabalore, we'll soon be there, and all this, you know, and making a big fuss of it. <laughs> and, of course, uh, <laughs> Des wasn't very pleased anyway. Uh, we got off back to Nottingham and that was Brian again, yeah. putting everybody into line. And you can hear the second part of my interview with Colin Shields in the next episode of The Green Jumper. It was a a great honour for me to work with Colin on his book Champagne Memories and you can find out more about that and get a signed copy by visiting the tribute website brianclough.com and the book is supporting the Royal British Legion and the children's charity the NSPCC. Son, I'd like to work with you any time it suits you. You're listening to the Green Jumper Pod. And my guest right now is the digital artist Matt Wilkinson, who's recreated some of the iconic images associated with Cluffy and that famous Green Jumper. Welcome along, Matt. Hello, Marcus. How did you come to first admire Cluffy? Well, I was a tennis player when I was a kid. Uh, I never actually played football till I was, I never played a competitive game of football until I was about 13. So I was, I was late getting into it. But I think when I was about 11, 
which would have been about 1977, I got interested in football. Now, I can't remember if there's a chicken or an egg involved in this, but I feel like Clough was half the reason I got into football. And, and Forrest, uh, my dad was a Wolves fan, and uh, he wasn't a fanatical one. He was more of a tennis player. Uh, he never forced wolves down my throat, thank goodness. But he told me about this character, Clough, who was a, who was a bit controversial. And uh, after he mentioned him, which I think was when we got promoted from the old League Two, the magic started to happen. And, and I, I think that's what happened. It was like Forrest was such a compelling um, story, having just got promoted and started winning games and beating Manchester United and all this kind of stuff. That's when I think I got into not only Forest but football at the same time. And of course, you know, that was Clough, wasn't it? It was all about Clough. So I was just born at the perfect time, I think. It was. And, and during those magical European years that, uh, that came along shortly after that, are there any memories that, that, that stand out for you? Basically, most of my early memories were not like today where you had all social media spitting out everything and wealth of information. I used to just have to watch teletext and and uh, sort of listen to bits on the radio. And I remember things like, I vividly remember the Liverpool European Cup games and and physically shaking when I was seeing the, the, the trail for the second leg and Schultz was pulling off these saves. I think we're going to lose, we're going to lose. I yes. know we're going to lose, sort of thing. Yeah. So, you know, those early memories were very uh, sort of sketchy. And, and I also remember one of my first memories of actual sort of football was Kenny Burns with that um, headbutt to the back of some other player yes. in, a, in a, I think it was in a wall or something. That's right. So, it was little yeah. things like that that I enjoyed, like Shorten making those incredible saves and Kenny Burns sort of uh, kicking people over and stuff like that, in, yeah. a, in addition to Mr Clough. All these years later, how did you come to, to recreate some of those iconic cluffy images? Well, purely by chance. I was actually in the music industry and um, then I, uh, I started dabbling with technology in the early days of apps. It must have been, I don't know, not, um, I guess it's about eight or nine years ago now. And I actually... One of my sort of uh, tech follies, or whatever you want to call it, was a thing called Forest Fanbase, which was essentially a score prediction, match rating app, um, which was a kind of good idea because it's become what they call now, I think, fan school, that the league did. But I had that idea about a year or two years previous. And as part of that, like with most businesses, there's a whole load of other things you have to do. And part of it was promotional stuff and images. And so I did a few. I actually had some of the players from those days contacting me. I can't remember who were like the first ones, but it was like the likes of Hobbs and uh, Mansied and people like that. Yeah. And um, Matty Cash contacted me when I never knew who Matty Cash was. And um, <laughs> Britt's brother, Chris Asombolonga, contacted me to do a cartoon. So I had sort of contact with some of the players and Ollie Burke as well, and he's an apprentice oh, yeah. and so forth. And from there, I kind of did more. Uh, the app went south along with most of these things. <laughs> but I started dabbling and doing more of the, the art, and I did a bit more of it. Then the big thing that happened after that was Forrest got in touch with me because I'd done these silhouettes of some of the Miracle Men. It was obviously the, the main ones, like the... Um, uh, I don't know, the Martin O'Neills and the Cluffies and so forth. Yeah. And they were revamping the Brian Clough stand that year and they wanted to do all 40, I think it was. Um, so they had Archie Gemmels, Terry Cohen's, 
right down to um, Jim Montgomery oh, and so yeah. forth. So I had to fill in all the gaps. I did the artwork with quotes and appearance information, which was one of those things which is a huge honour to do and yeah. you know, never imagined could have ever happened. Pure coincidence. I had no kind of qualifications for the job. Which of the sort of iconic images do, do you like the most? Because you, you've got several on your, your website, Rhodes Gallery, of, yeah. of Cluffy in the green sweater. I personally like the, the first one we did, which was the, um, it's the classic kind of smiling Clough. Probably 1977, the smiling yes. Clough, whilst he was just a young upstart kind of thing. Um, that one... And I actually did one of that those, uh, the, you know, with the digital stuff, you you do a kind of source image and then you can process it in lots of different ways, yeah. mess around with it. So it's all about kind of pressing buttons. It's, it's, more, it's more about taking stuff away rather than adding stuff in. You press a button to do something and then you say, oh, that looks horrible. Or, <laughs> or no, let's keep going down this route sort of thing. So I kind of feel like it's almost blasphemy some of the time. <laughs> You know, you never know what you're going to end What's up going with. To like no. I say, it's more, more a question of editing. The unfortunate thing about Cluffy and the Miracle Men is everything, if they were doing what they did then, today, it would be recorded in incredible high resolution. Mm. And it isn't. You know, all the great feats they've done, it's usually only it amounts to a picture here, a picture there, and a grainy video somewhere else. And, yes. Uh, yes. A lot of people's memories. So half of it was I wanted to make kind of digital versions of those achievements that you could then put on a wall as high as the Empire State Building and it would still look sharp because yeah. they merited being on the big screen you know it's like that I forget who that actress is you know the screens got smaller you know I didn't sort of thing so it's the same thing in reverse these yeah. these guys were movie stars but they they were on local TV basically. What what do the players make of the themselves? Well, that's that's always <laughs> you know Joe Wall always upsets me because he half the time he comes out like Joe Root. Um, oh, yeah. But um, no, on the whole, mm. it's been good. They've, they've everyone loves it and they're all very flattered and yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, I, I met Stan Collymore and oh, yeah. I hadn't been happy with my Stan Collymores at all yet, but he liked them. So that was a good start. But the new one I did, especially because I knew I was going to be meeting him, he liked the most. So yeah. that's nice. You know, yeah, for yeah. me, that's really nice because, again, Collymore, it's amazing. You look for pictures of Collymore, and that's obviously a lot more recent. And there's not much out there. No, no. You know, in your head, you've got all these images of Chris Bart Williams and Kevin Campbell dancing, celebrating gold and Raddy scoring that volley at WBA. And there's not many images of those things happening, you know? Yeah. So did you ever get the chance to meet Cluffy? No, that's the biggest regret of my life. Um, they say never meet your heroes, but I would have loved to. I've met Nigel, uh, yes. next best thing. And uh, I met his grandson as well, famous grandson who he won all the cups for. Ah, yes, and, uh, yes. And he was a charming bloke as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I missed out on Cluffy. Can't change that, but um, there you go. What can you do? If you had have had the chance to meet him perhaps even in, in his retirement, what do you think you would have said? Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think I'd have been lost for words, Speechless. to be honest. Yes, I know. A, a lot of people are, I think, when they look back and uh, when they've had the chance to meet their hero. To be honest, I've, I feel like that with all the, the miracle men. We're lucky mm. enough to have all of those. And for me, it's like going to Disneyland. Like I say, I lived in Florida. And coming back to Nottingham, for me, it's Disneyland. So whether it's a Bryn Gunn or a John Robertson, yes. 
it's like wow you know these are the guys that did it so um yeah, yeah i'm living in the holy land now <laughs> and, and i'll make it my thing to try and do a new clough each year sort of thing so i'll probably trying to confine myself to one more clough each year yes and um you know i won't have to live too long else we'll get pretty desperate by the end no, that sounds wonderful, and it's, it's a great way of keeping his, his memory alive as well and, uh, and remembering those wonderful days. So, Matt Wilkinson of, of Rogues Gallery, thanks very much uh, for joining us today. Thank you very much, Marcus. Cheers. And thanks again to you for listening. And if you have any cluffy memories yourself that you'd like to share, just drop me an email. It's youngman at brianclough.com. And you can see more of Matt Wilkinson's work by searching for Rogues Gallery. I hope you can join me again to share more memories of the great man in the green jumper. <laughs>